Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week we have Willow and Legend from 1985. Oh, it's all about the short people, like Tom Cruise. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Alright, will anybody do anything fun this week? Like, more fun than watch UHF? Probably not. Nothing's that fun. (laughs) Went to the theater. That's part of the Yeah, I saw a couple of movies, but I don't think we're allowed to talk about that yet i didn't see nothing so it's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be a boring episode for me when we get to that part you i don't, I don't want... see sonic the hedgehog no. i don't want to brag about how exciting my life is but i went to the movies alone twice this week so. <laughs> <You're> a loser <laughs> would have been uh, nice to go to a movie alone i didn't even get a chance to do that I was gonna say I don't I don't know what's sadder going going to the movie alone when you're single or me going to the movie alone while my fiance stayed home because she didn't want to go to the movie with me. <laughs> I'm not going to see none of that garbage. That's fair. I'd rather go by myself than go with somebody who doesn't want to go. Truth. No, I'm doing this stupid film festival, so I was basically working on that all week and didn't watch anything. Yeah. Almost I like now. that it's a stupid, that you acknowledge your film festival is stupid without us having to point it out, so that's good. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's making it so I can't watch movies I want to watch. It's Brian Sales technique, and he's like, I'm doing a film festival fucking piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Got a cool special guest, motherfucking shitballs ass. <laughs> yeah, a guy from MTV is showing up. How exciting. It's kind of weird. I don't know why he's showing up. I'm almost <laughs> just like, dude, don't show up to this. Did you invite him? <laughs> no, it- it's a weird... So I do that other podcast about the challenge. Yeah. And this guy's on the challenge. Mm-hmm. And he also started in a horror movie that literally is just starting to make the festival rounds. Yeah. And we were, were looking for content. So we got a hold of the guy to say, hey, can we review your horror movie for our show? Because we need content. And in order to sell him that it was a good idea to let us review it. My co-host is like, oh, yeah, we're we're horror fans. I mean, we're putting on this horror festival. So then the guy's like, can I, can I put my movie in your festival? And we're like, all right. 
figured it'd be a good way to get him to let us watch the movie. And then after that, he's like, hey, what if me and CT, the guy from the challenge, just show up to your festival? And we're just like, wait, what? Why are you doing this? Don't do this. That's awesome. Were, were you like, it's a very small festival? Oh, yeah. It's we've told him. First year. Yeah. So, I don't know. They're showing up. Like, all right. Like, how many tickets would you have sold for an event where they would be expected to appear? Um, I don't know. Okay. Like, I feel like... When we were doing the Drunken Zombie one, we would have about 200 attendees over the entire weekend. Okay. Um, I do feel like we were going to have more, but I don't know how much more. I was, was going to say, aren't you a little nervous about opening the door to guests from people from MTV? Like... <laughs> Like somehow MTV VJ Jesse Camp would show up to the fucking film festival yeah. and make everyone uncomfortable. Yeah, he's like, homeless. So he'll just camp out there. Yeah. It'll be fine. Yeah, man, I heard you guys were doing something. Yeah. <laughs> get the fuck out, Jesse Camp. <laughs> Somebody get the broom. Get him out of here. Open get the door it, to kick it, him out. Get him out before shows up. So they open the door to kick him out, and Polly Shore is just walking up, and you're just like, "No, no!" So here's here's a fun fact: we we don't we didn't have MTV here when I was growing up. We had Much Music, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a, one of the hosts from Much Music is now like a local TV host in my town. He does like a morning show, which doesn't make any sense to me at all because I don't. I don't know how a town of 200,000 people has its own morning show. Like, that doesn't make any sense. But whatever. There must be some rule about them having to have some local content or something. But uh, uh, the there's, like, a tour company that does, like, cruises and shit that's near my house. And now they have a big sign out front showing that he's doing, like, taking people on a cruise. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and I'm like... Oh, because I'm like... It's so, like, 15-year-old me would have loved to go on that cruise with that guy. And then now, like, I'm thinking it's just going to be a bunch of people who are refusing to give up on their youths. Just <laughs> just a bunch of old guys who are, like, they're half bald, but they still have long hair. And... Oh, rocking the skeletons. Yep. Sleazy, sleazy guys with their ugly girlfriends trying to talk the one attractive girl on the cruise into a three-way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm picturing. It's Yeah. Just like find that at any uh, horror convention. <laughs> that's that's also true. I don't know how many times I've watched people that are not very attractive, but she tries to look like a goth girl, and then her and her boyfriend are just like, "Yeah, totally hitting on this girl. You should come. You should go back to our hotel room." It's like that's not going to happen. I was going to say people are free to do what they do. And if they want to have a 29 person orgy in their hotel room, more power to them. Just, just keep your sleaze to the, to the other sleazy people. and Stop yeah. getting your sleaze on me. Yeah. There's gotta be a way to meet people who want to be in their 29 person orgy without just going out in public and putting that on just innocent bystanders. <laughs> Again, teach their own, do what you want to do, but, don't push it on others. I don't know how the hell we got here, by the way. This was a very pleasant uh, uh, Weird Al Yankovic conversation not that long ago. 
It's all Jesse Camp's fault. Fucking MTV BJ Jesse Camp. But by the way, we also weren't supposed to be talking about Weird Al Yankovic this week either. <laughs> no, we're talking about Billy Barty this week. That's right. We're talking about Billy Barty every week. When you yeah. think about it. I honestly, I forgot Billy Barty was in Legend, and then I was like, oh yeah, he's in both. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, Noah, why don't you tell us what Legend's all about? Uh, so, Legend is about nearly prepubescent uh, fucking uh, Tom Cruise uh, with 18-year-old pretending to be prepubescent uh, girl from that other movie that I can't remember. Uh, Mia Sarah from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Correct. Yeah, I was going to say, like... It's not like some obscure reference. It's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's, everybody's got that one down. No, I just remembered she was in The Girlfriend in another movie, and that's where everyone knows her from. But that's that's the end of it. Uh, in in a movie that is fucking awesome, it's kind of like a and d adventure. Uh, it's pretty whimsical. So Tom Cruise plays Jack, who is a, a, a child of the forest, who is... A pure soul, which allows him to find unicorns, which is the entire <laughs> MacGuffin piece of this movie, which is weird, weird, but it's explained at the beginning. So <laughs> we'll allow that to happen. Uh, he takes his girlfriend to see the unicorns. She touches the unicorns. Unbeknownst to her, uh, the darkness played by Tim Curry, one of the best fucking bad guys ever, mm-hmm. uh, sends his stanky little goblin cohorts who are also dope, uh, to kill that unicorn. And so they kill that unicorn, and then they have a weird unicorn's horn is magical party fucking with stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That shouldn't be an accurate plot description, but it is. Yeah. Uh, Then basically they all travel into the underworld after uh, picking up a cadre of other characters, including a a gump who is a terrifying diaper wearing mutant boy <laughs> and and two fairy folk of some kind too. I don't know if they're supposed to be dwarves or what. I don't think they ever explain what Billy Party and the the other characters I don't think they ever really explain what any of the characters are in this movie. <laughs> they're just like, look, magical characters and you're just okay. I mean they explain that Una's uh Pixie. But Okay. But but do they explain it or does somebody just call her a pixie? They just call her a pixie. That's there you go. Far enough. Uh, in typical D and D fashion, he gets outfitted with magical armor and a sword. Uh, he, he then goes into a swamp where uh, he cuts off Richard Picardo's head. <laughs> Did it freak you out when you first learned that was Richard Picardo or Richard? Picardo? Yes, it fucked me up for life. Right. right? <laughs> I was like. I would never have figured that out. Never. Like, no. not in a million years. First of all, the character's a woman. <laughs> and just the, uh, man, that the makeup effect on, on uh, what's her name? Meg? Is that right? Mon? <sighs> Meg old bones, something, something. That was. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, muck bones. Meg muck bones. Yeah. She was, what I liked about that was how it was like just that weird 80s sexism where it's like there's just this horrible demon monster coming out of the bog. And then Tom Cruise is like, oh, don't you look pretty? And she gets all distracted so he can kill her. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just, what the fuck just happened? Oh, oh indeed I do. 
yeah, so we get Billy Barty and fucking Richard Picardo in this, and Tim Curry. This mm. is a fucking this is a heavy hitting movie. Uh, so I the, love that you skipped Tom Cruise in that list. Fuck Tom Cruise. I don't give a shit about Tom Cruise. He's the worst actor in this movie. True story. True. True. Yeah. Acceptable. And like I said, creepy young. It's weird. I I feel like this this movie may have some uncomfortable undertones of pedophilia in it that I don't like. Huh? Not not that young. Not not in the overtly sexual way, but more in that the weird Japanese worship of youth kind of thing that they're doing. It's real weird. Because between Jack and Una and I don't know, it's weird. Which one's Una? I, I, she's the, she's the fairy. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, she does appear young. Yeah, all the all the main characters are. Uh, very young looking and romanticized if, if yeah, that makes sense but all the romanticism is between those characters right right so i like i like i said i don't think it's overt i don't think it's that kind of thing it's just that weird uh i don't know like i said well, I mean, it, it feels it feels japanese like the leering eye of adults on youth if if that makes sense do you get what I'm saying? Do you guys watch say, Japanese movies? <laughs> I was going to say, it reminds me more of just like the fairy tale sort of yeah. thing where, you know, a prince will come and pick up somebody's young daughter and run off with her to make her a princess and right that kind of yeah. stuff. Like, yeah. So they go, they go into the underworld. They have more adventures. Uh, the darkness decides that he wants to to get well. No, there we go. He wants to get all up in the young girl. You yep. claimed she was eighteen earlier in your plot description. No, they act. The actress is eighteen. I think she's supposed to be Jack's age, which would make her more like sixteen. I don't know. I, I don't feel that they said the age of any of these characters and their mythical right. characters, so they can be whatever they want. Right. Yeah, they're all again in, years old. It's just a in, weird. in in fairy tales, like it's not that uncommon for a demon to want to marry a teenage girl, and I just accept that. Well, yeah, no, it's cool, and it's it's Tim Curry; he can get away with stuff. Um, Especially this Tim <laughs> Curry, when the makeup makes him look like fucking ripped and goddamn, uh, terrifying looking, and the one best. of the best looking, the best looking demon in cinema history. Yeah, I will agree with that. I, yeah, one hundred percent acceptable. It's kind of cool because they kind of. They almost like hybrid fucked like the uh, the traditional Catholicized version of Satan with the more satyry version of Satan and then a Minotaur. And they just smashed all three of those things together and came out with the perfect evil demon guy. Yeah. And we should mention uh, all the uh, special effects and makeup done by Rob Bottin. So, yeah. Looks oh, amazing, of course. This movie is one of the best-looking movies ever in the history of time. Right. There's only one shot in the entire movie that I think is bad, and I don't. It's and it's more off-putting, and I don't understand why they did what they did. But what we can talk about that later. Uh, so they go into the underworld. He's trying to put put his minotaur dick bone down <laughs> on the girl. <laughs> Uh, by luring luring her into a room filled with tasty food, a pretty necklace, and a in, 
dancing, fabric-faced mannequin lady. <laughs> That's all correct. The only Is part that? you missed there. The only part you missed there. He does want to be honest about it. He does want to marry her before he bones her. Right. I just. He's not a he's not a savage. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say that that wouldn't be effective because I I can honestly say never been my go-to strategy of of getting with a lady. Hey, dance with this weird mannequin lady. How do you know? Have you tried it on Char? And then magically put on this awkwardly revealing dress for the rest of the content of this movie. He likes them to be goth girls, okay? Yep. Right. Uh, and and then basically, you know, we get standard uh, fantasy adventure fare. There's more creatures. There's more running around dark places, epic confrontation. Uh, he gets stabbed in the gut with a unicorn horn, which is <laughs> pretty dope. And then fired out into outer space which is underground yeah it's the other dimension of the evil and the, put the darkness back in the darkness and let the world be light again and none of it actually makes any sense yeah yeah and then they uh, of course in typical fairy tale fashion the second they touch the severed unicorn horn to the dead unicorn the dead unicorn comes back setting up the sequel of zombie unicorn <laughs> and it's rampage across the woodland God, you know, the asylum is coming out with zombie corn now, <laughs> <laughs> which also leads us to. So I was saying there's only one scene in the movie that I think is badly shot. The very, very last scene of the movie, right before we see random laughing Tim Curry demon, because they were like, we need to put that in here one more time. <laughs> is they're doing the whole going into the sunset thing. That particular scene has an ugly ass painted background and it's just so clearly fake looking and the rest of the movie's done so fucking well. I think I wouldn't even notice it if the rest of the movie wasn't so good. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like they shot that that one scene and they meant to edit it out and forgot. <laughs> well, that depends on which version of the ending you saw too. There are three of them out there, so yeah, I suppose. I watched the theatrical cut. Okay, see, I watched the director's cut, so I'm not... I don't think I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm, interesting. It's just that the movie just ends with them going over a hill into the sunset. And like yeah. I said, the, the background is blatantly a, a painted sheet background. Okay. And see, that's the difference between the director's cut and theatrical cut is that they don't go off together in the director's cut. So obviously the shot you're talking about didn't happen. Uh, in the director's cut, they don't stay together. They decide to just be friends. Really? Yep. It's fucking weird. I don't know why. Like, it's like you would think that that doesn't make any sense. But yeah, they're like, uh, we live two different lives. This isn't going to work out. You can keep my ring, though. <laughs> she, goes, she goes, you can keep my ring and I'll still come back and visit you. But we're not like dating anymore. Whatever the fuck word they use for dating to describe the Thank you. Thank you for letting me. Fairy. Thank you for letting me almost destroy the world by touching a unicorn. <laughs> well, and I think that I think the idea is that they've learned the message that the mortal doesn't belong in the supernatural world, and that they should kind of stay to their own ways. Which is, I not in my mind, not a positive message for a movie to send out there. It's like know your place and stay in it. I don't think that's what you should be sending out to the audience, but it's how it plays out. 
So your version, Doug, I don't remember. Does the director's cut have the orchestral score as well? Because I know the international version does, but I can't remember. I believe so. Because the original had Tangerine Dream. Do the score for it, which uh, Ridley Scott was not a fan of, but studio compromised to let him do the orchestral score for the international release of it. Yeah, I believe the director's cut does have an orchestral score, but to be honest, I don't I don't follow scores very closely. So they should have went with Goblin. I'd that would have made that. sense for this movie. <laughs> I was gonna say it fits, <laughs> like right time frame too. Yeah, it would have made complete sense. So, Doug, you said you hadn't seen this since the '80s on Instagram. Did it hold up I had for not. you? Um, in, in most ways, yes. Um, I thought the story was that awkward, convoluted problem we have with every fantasy movie we talk about on this podcast, where it's like way too much is going on here. But that's just the subgenre. Uh, I do have like a big complaint about the, the filmmaking, which is that basically this is an hour and a half long movie, which plays out to be the version I watched was an hour and 53 minutes. And it's not because there's extra subplots. It's not because there's extra characters. It's just because a lot of the shots take way too fucking long. If you took out all of the slow motion from this movie and you every time the camera just stops to do a glory shot so they can show off how pretty their movie is, you just edited those out, you would take... I, I literally think you would take 20 minutes off this movie. And it's just, it's so obvious that they're just trying to show off how pretty their costumes and their makeup are. And I'm like, just, just stop. I know how good it looks. You don't need to just pause the camera and stare at this for a while now. Like you could show us how it, how it looks while the characters are interacting and talking and stuff. You don't need to slow it all down. And that's, that's tends to be my complaint with a lot of Ridley Scott movies from the air. I have that complaint about Blade Runner, quite frankly, is that it's just, it's like, I get it. Your world looks great. I can tell it looks great if things are happening in it while you're showing me. You don't just have to stop the film to show me. And I find it frustrating. Uh, Theatrical cut's only an hour and a half, so maybe that fixes all that problem. Maybe. I don't know. It's that different. Yeah, I did not. I did not. I would have probably. I might have even tried to watch the theatrical cut if I'd realized it was that different. I just yeah. watched 20, the first one I found. Twenty minutes less, it seems like. Yeah, I wonder if it is. Like, was there a lot of slow motion in the version you guys watched? Uh, a little bit. Not a not yeah, a ton. Some, but yeah. Of course, my opinion on the you guys know my opinion. The correct amount of slow motion is zero. So, <laughs> so I don't even know why cameras slow down to slow motion. They just shouldn't even. It's almost never appropriate. Oh come on! When uh, when uh, Nick Cage throws up the the smoke flares and the rock, I think uh, you're proving my point for me. I think it's what you're doing right now. Oh. Uh, no, Anyways. I'm I'm assuming you love this movie. So I I think that so the specifically we're going to get into sub sub genres here so specifically <laughs> in the sub genre of fantasy of epic fantasy right so fairy tale esque magic and swords and and that fantasy this is one of the best fantasy movies ever made easy easy like real easy because 
they're hard movies to not make really bad. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, because most of the ones we talk about, most of the fantasy films we talk about, they do it on a lower budget. Right. And yeah. therefore, nothing really works because you don't have the set design, so you can't create this world, right? And that's like that's what Ridley Scott does really well in his movies is you give him money and he'll create you a universe, right? Whether it's the Alien universe or the Blade Runner universe or this one. He really makes it feel like this is the real world that we're all in, even though it's this ridiculous, like, you know, fantasy land. And it's like, that's why you're, that's why I'm guessing why that shot at the end of the, of the theatrical version bugs you so much is because it takes you out of that world. Right. Yeah. And the, I, I think the, and the opposite ends up being true too, where normally if you do have a fantasy movie that does get a decent budget, then studios get involved and they pick some asshole that is not the type of whimsical nerd you need to make one of these movies. They hire somebody who they think is going to like, I don't make money instead of make a good movie, which is the typical thing. And you end up with something like the Dungeons and Dragons movie, which fucking sucks. Okay. Looks like estimated budget was about twenty four and a half million. That's in nineteen eighty five. So that's nineteen eighty five money. And that's pretty big. Cumulative worldwide gross, fifteen and a half million. Yeah, this was not a financial success. In the no, box office. Did not do well. Yeah, which is which. Once again, it's fucking insane. It's such a good movie. I don't. There's nothing bad about this movie. Who are these assholes not taking their kids to see this movie? Well, I can understand. I think the problem from like. And this is where, like, studios maybe needed to be a little more... Like, I don't know who this movie's for, exactly. Because it is just objectively not a kid's movie. Like, I don't think kids would... I think kids would have trouble following along with the plot because of how it moves. I think that you've got that demon at the end that is just going to scare the shit out of them. Yeah, I think think any kid over eight years old is going to be fine seeing this movie. Uh, I can see I can see it scaring the shit out of a four year old. <laughs> well, yeah. It was released as a PG movie. Of course, I believe this was before PG thirteen even existed. It's, and I mean, again, the eighties were it were a different time. Where like, yeah, I saw this when it was new. I don't remember. I don't think I saw it in theaters, but I would have seen it when it hit home video, kind of thing. Uh, so it was more normal, but it's still like if parents saw a commercial for this on TV, do you think that they would instinctively want to take their kids? They should, God damn it! Otherwise, they're shitty parents. <laughs> it's a good fucking movie. I, my only, besides that final shot, my only complaint story-wise in the movie is I don't understand why once we make the transition from uh, mystical forest to the the creepy underworld area. Blix and Pox, the two goblin characters, we just don't ever see them again. Like they just vanish, and they're and they're such interesting bad guy characters that you really you're like, I want to I want to see more of these yeah. little a holes. Where did they go? I feel like they're almost like um, they're replaced by the Billy Barty character and his partner there that are running around. It's almost like we're going to get rid of this comic relief and bring in this new duo to take over. And it's like, well, I don't don't do that. Just have them both. Get rid of Tom Cruise. He killed off Jack at the beat, like halfway through this movie, and I wouldn't have been bothered at all. Right. I had to see him running around in his golden dress. 
I was going to say, and uh, an- another big plus of this movie is I think the dialogue is a credit to the genre because, I don't know, the way people talk kind of oozes that fairy tale fantasy kind of stuff. I don't, it's hard to explain. I agree with what you're saying. It is hard to explain. And I think most of the actors do a really good job of embodying it. And that's when I said Tom Cruise is the the worst actor in the movie. That's what I mean, is that he does not embody that. He literally just speaks the way he speaks in every other movie. And it's like, well, <laughs> right. listen to what you're saying and listen to the tone of voice you're saying. And I'm granted probably the right decision to not affect some sort of accent or tone if he couldn't do it well. But it, it definitely stands out in the movie. Right. I was going to say, though, I remember seeing this whenever I was a very, I was probably too young to see this movie, but I, like I said, I had good parents that <laughs> let me watch all sorts of garbage I shouldn't have been watching. It's the hallmark of good parenting. Um, the, the opening scene of the darkness talking to Blix just, you know, with his uh, weird glowing fingernails and eyes they did for just that one shot for some reason that they don't do in the rest of the movie. But, you know, him going, you know, Blix, aren't you the most loathsome of my goblins? I was like, oh, I fucking love this already. <laughs> this this is my new favorite movie until RoboCop. Once I see RoboCop, I will forget. <laughs> Uh, this is a this is a movie I saw because I didn't grow up with cable, but we had a local station that would run late night movies on Saturday, and so I used to stay up like I think that's how I saw like Breakfast Club and all kinds of stuff like that. So I would just stay up late, like when I was like eleven or twelve, and stay up and watch these movies. So I saw this one on the Saturday night movie, um, and I lived with my grandparents, so they were both in bed by like ten o'clock. So. It's like me at like 11 starting a movie in the living room. Um, but yeah, fucking Tim Curry comes on, scares the living shit out of me. And then uh, we're talking about seeing this as kids. And now I'm thinking about the scene where they're in the underworld and there's those big like. Uh, like Leather pig mask guys. Yeah. And they're yeah. fucking like chopping people up alive and stuff. They drag that one guy off, and they're like, he'll be good in pie. And then you're like, oh, they're just going to eat that dude, I guess. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, so I've been in love with this. And it was I was young enough that I didn't know names of people. So when I found out that the guy who played Darkness and the guy who played Pennywise were the same guy, I was like, this is the most terrifying individual on the face of the planet. <laughs> Well, you would never know it. I don't think it was him from watching no. this movie. The, like, his voice is different, which is just a, a testament to his acting. And the makeup is so impressive that you would have no idea who well, was under there. Yeah. I think they also digitally lowered his register a couple. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they had a little But I, I was going to say, once once you're thinking Tim Curry and you hear him laugh, you're like, oh, yeah, that's Tim Curry. <laughs> yeah, I uh, had the fortune to meet Tommy Lee Wallace once at a horror convention. And I told him that uh, I blamed him for my fear of clowns. And then I'm like, well, I'll give you like 50% and I'll give Tim Curry the other 50%. And he said it was a funny story because he was coming off of this movie. He'd done it a couple years before it. And apparently the Pennywise makeup was supposed to be more detailed. Like you're supposed to have like a pointy chin and like all this other stuff. 
And Tim Curry's like, I do not want to go through the amount of prosthetics like I had to go through on Legend. So Tommy Lee Wallace apparently was like, well, but that's not really something you get to decide. So they went back and forth on it. And he said that Tim Curry said, well, you could just trust that I'm a really good performer and we'll come up with a really good performance that you don't need all that makeup. He's like, and in the end, Tim Curry was right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I think yeah. Pennywise, the character works because you can, because of the facial expressions and a lot of oh, that other sure. stuff that, because of the performance, basically. Um, and then if you have the Legend DVD, and I guess Blu-ray, I don't, I don't know, it has um, a making of, and the, they show the sets, and the sets are amazing. Like, that entire forest is built like a giant airplane hangar. So you literally could just walk through the forest. Like it looked awesome. Um, But apparently like half of it caught on fire or something. So they had to like shoot around it, which was weird and fucked up. (laughs) Too bad they didn't catch the fire on camera. That probably worked that right into the movie. (laughs) Then uh, the last thing I thought was pretty funny is apparently... Uh, so the woman who played the human character, Blix, with like the really pointy nose and the pointy ears and stuff. Yeah, Blix, Blix is the one that rhymes, yeah. Uh, so apparently she was first on the call sheet for the makeup, makeup trailer or whatever. So Tim Curry would show up and she would be like half done, like they'd have a lot of her shit on. And he's like, I feel like we've met before and so they were trying to come up with like this like how have we met who do we know sort of going back and forth trying to figure out if they had met before and then one day he was sitting there they were putting her makeup on and then all of a sudden he's like oh shit I just figured it out and he looked at her he's like you look just like uh fucking uh, oh god why did I just blank on his name uh you look just like Keith Richards no but if you look at that makeup and you think keith richards you're like oh yeah i totally see it <laughs> yeah, i guess it's not completely unfair <laughs> so like i don't think she had her nose or her ears on yet so i mean just that sort of like wrinkled up pointy chin face he's like oh yeah keith richards that's why that's why i think you look familiar so good yeah you can also if you look long enough there's also like a almost like a time lapse thing of them putting on his prosthesis for this movie oh my god it had to fucking suck (laughs) uh his makeup is so good like there are people who have never seen it because i like have a t-shirt that has the face of darkness on it and then it says like uh without darkness there would be no light or something and then it has Legend spelled out in Japanese letters underneath of it, although they they actually spell the word legend, so I don't think they're the actual Japanese symbols for the word legend. That's funny. Um, so I was explaining it to one of my coworkers, and he had never seen Legend before, but I had him pull up. I, I pulled up a picture of Tim Curry in the makeup, like one of the promotional shots of him, like standing with his cape flowing and stuff. And he's like, "Oh yeah, I've seen I've seen that like all over the place. I didn't know what that was from." So even if you've never seen this movie, it's guaranteed you've seen the picture of darkness before because it's such a yeah. fantastic, like iconic 
character and makeup. Well, and there's just, there are just uh, a handful of moments in this movie that will stick in your brain forever. The darkness stepping out of the mirror. Oh, that's that's a really cool shot. God damn it. It's, it's so good. Like so good in this uh, earth shattering way that I am, I am halfway through my life and I can still like close my eyes and see that whole thing happen. God, I love this movie. Once again, why the fuck, why the fuck do these movies do bad in theater when they're so fucking good? Well, because you got to remember too, in the time when armies were not seeing geek material, right? And to, to make the kind of money you need to make, you've got to appeal to a mass audience. I, I suppose, but I mean, I can't think of a person who wouldn't enjoy seeing this movie. I think if you if you like horror movies, you should like seeing this movie. If you like fantasy movies, you should like seeing this movie. If you like romance movies, you should like seeing this movie. I don't think people who like romance movies watch this movie. I don't I think it's got its whole love story thing. It's got that angle. It has that angle, but it's not. It's not the princess fucking bride, but. I agree. That's what I'm saying. It's just. It, it I don't just know. doesn't. I just, it's not. It's not up at the forefront enough, and it's not done in a way that is going to appeal to a mass audience. I, I don't know. I suppose. I think if I ever heard of a person who watched the entirety of this movie and then was like, "Yeah, hey, I don't. I don't really like it," I'd be like, "I distrust you." There's something <laughs> you have a defect. You have a dangerous defect, and you might kill someone <laughs> like because you do not operate in the way that a normal human operates. Again, I think you're using the term "normal human" wrong because you're implying that you're a normal human and you expect others to react the way you do. Oh no, no, I am strange. But I'm saying in general. <laughs> I can't I cannot come up with a reason. Most of the things I like, I completely understand why everyone else hates them. But this I, I, this one I, is I, not that. I feel like you're underestimating how much normal audiences don't want to watch like they won't look at Tim Curry in that makeup and think, Oh, I want to watch a movie about that guy. Like normal audiences are there to see Tom Cruise, and this is not the Tom Cruise that they want to see either, because Tom Cruise they're looking for doesn't wear a dress and prance around in trees. <laughs> they're looking for they're they're looking for dangerous Scientologist Tom Cruise. Yeah, like this is like right around the time of Top Gun, right? Like what what year is Top Gun? Eighty seven, eighty eight, something like that. So that's the Tom right. that's the that's the Tom Cruise. That's what people want to see. They want to see Tom Cruise running around thinking he's better than everybody else. Fucking I always thought it was authority figures to go to hell and getting his co-pilot killed. Some fun stuff like that. That's what means I, I, I don't I, understand the appeal of Top Gun personally. I, I don't I was gonna I say I know Top I know Top Gun's the more popular movie, but I always thought it was risky business that was the one that made everybody uh slide off their seats for Tom Cruise. <laughs> I think I think risky business is the one that caught everyone's attention. Uh, does it help you, Doug, that apparently Jack's armor was made from flattened bottle caps? That's nice. It's a nice touch. <laughs> he looked pretty goofy in those outfits. Shut up. 
That is that is dope armor. It's nowhere near as bad as Val Kilmer's helmet in the second movie. <laughs> Val Kilmer wears a dress for half of that movie. We'll get to it. Also true. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I don't know. This is technically our Top Gun episode, by the way. If that's what we're wondering, what the theme is for this week. This is Top Gun week, where we do all the stars of Top Gun in fantasy films. Oh, yeah? Sure. Makes sense. Sometimes uh, we forget to introduce our theme at the beginning of the show. Because <laughs> we don't figure it out usually until halfway through. Um, uh, do you, do you guys know. know how Do you guys know how little I know uh, Top Gun? I have no idea what you guys are talking about right now. Was oh. was Val Kilmer and Top Gun? Yeah. It's fucking Iceman. Oh. Come on. I fucking, listen, I've never made it all the way through that movie. That's a stupid fucking movie. I agree. I don't like, I don't like Top Gun. Yeah. I don't disagree with you, but you should have at least seen it once. I had seen part of it once. Oh. And then I stopped watching it. You made and it then the you know what happened? Scene? They made, they made hot shots. And then I was like, oh, that's why people like this. <laughs> because... Charlie Sheen made a stupid movie making fun of it. I have to admit, I think I went back and watched Top Gun specifically because I wanted to understand Hot Shots better. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure that actually happened in my life. I'm sure sure, uh, Eric or somebody's going to send us a fucking email (laughs) because me and Doug said we don't like fucking Top Gun. Oh, if anybody has any comments about it, you just send clips of the volleyball scene directly to Noah. That's the way to handle that. God damn it. Um, (laughs) What the fuck was I going to say? Oh, did we realize we've watched two movies within the past two weeks that both have a gump in them? Yeah, I was starting to wonder if I'm supposed to know what a gump is. Yeah. (laughs) That's what occurred to me while I was watching this. I'm like, that's a gump. And the other thing was a gump. Like, gump must mean something. And then I got to thinking, like, if Gump is, like, this all-knowing, all-powerful thing, that's why Forrest Gump is named Gump. And somebody put that much thought into that movie, and I'm just figuring it out, like, 20-some years after it came out. Well, Forrest Gump's next week's movie, so we got to keep this Gump month <laughs> it's, it's Gump month. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. Anybody else have anything else to... Uh to throw out there about this movie other than it's fucking awesome buy it buy it on blu-ray to slowly increase the amount of money that this movie has made over time because fuck all the people that didn't see it in theaters yeah i mean it's it's one of the most visually stunning movies ever um the plot is pretty typical fantasy plot but it's well executed yeah evil thing wants to kill unicorn so it'll be dark forever and a magical set of young people try to make that not happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like like, like I said, typical fantasy stuff. It's got that weird anti-Canadian bias where, it, like, it snows a little and everybody's like, what the hell, man? How could we ever live like this? I'm like, this fuck is, you guys. This is, this is hell. This is what hell is like. <laughs> it's like that much snow is like what we have in May. What's the big deal? Yeah. <laughs> uh. Um, all right. Well, Doug, do you want to switch over and inform us about Iceman and the little people in this movie? 
Yeah, so uh, plotline of Willow. I guess basically there's a prophecy that there's going to be a baby born with a certain birthmark, and that baby will destroy the queen and the evil queen and take over the throne. And we know she's an evil queen. She looks just like a fucking queen from a Disney movie. <laughs> um, well, she looks like a queen from a Disney movie, except under her robes, she's dressed like Mumra from Thundercats. <laughs> That's an excellent reference. Uh, uh, I will also point out that Willow then ties into uh, Return to Oz from last week, too, as the evil queen Bev Morta is played by the same woman who played uh, Bad Nurse slash uh, headless, original headless lady in Return oh, to Oz. Oh, yeah. I don't even oh, think okay. I realized that. I didn't notice that at all. But Only noticed it last week when I was looking up Return to Oz stuff. I'm like, that is Queen Bev Morta. <laughs> Well, anyways, what differentiates this from uh, from Return to Oz is that uh, not everyone is completely terrible. So actually, when somebody goes to kill the baby, somebody actually saves it. And that that's how the child ends up in a river drifting away in this movie as opposed to Oz, where the kids then, had to run away on their own. And then the baby's found by Willow, who immediately suggests electroshock therapy to make that baby quit being so lazy. <laughs> Well, not quite, but Willow does suggest letting the baby just keep going down the river and somebody else will find it and deal with it. But then his wife finds out and we get this really comical moment where it's just, he's like, ah, the wife and the kids have fucking adopted a human baby. Guess we have a human baby in the house now. Just like a dad who came home and the kids had brought home a stray dog. That's how he reacted. It's great. Um, Long and short of it is, though, the Queen's evil henchmen show up and looking for the baby and willow and his people realize that they are not going to be able to look after it so he sets off on a mission to find a human to look after the baby because humans should look after human babies apparently um so basically they're saying like people should stay with their own kind yeah this has a horrible racist component to it a little bit but not quite because yeah no it does um I don't know. We, we we end up getting a basically it's Lord of the Rings, except instead of them having to get a ring to a mountain, they have to get a baby to a castle. Um, so they just keep picking up new people along the way to help them on their journey. Bad uh, Mardigan, played by uh, Val Kilmer, is just in a, locked up in a cage when they meet him, and they camp beside his cage and proceed to eat and drink in front of him for like an entire day. It just <laughs> he's just sitting there begging them for assistance. Just give me some water, please. And they just refuse to? Apparently, uh, the original cut of this movie, uh, with all the extra stuff in the script that they forced them to edit out, they added a ton of background stuff. So you learn way more about Val Kilmer's character in Sorsha to explain why, who they are. Okay. Unlike this movie where they're just like, he's in a cage. Who is he? I'm the best swordsman ever to live. I don't think you are. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's the nature of these movies. They just basically go through and they pick up more and more people on their group. There's some like little tiny people who steal the baby for a little while, but then a sorceress tells them to give it back. So now they're <laughs> part of the team and they just proceed to go on adventures. Uh, eventually they get to the castle, big fight. Uh, you Del forgot Kilmer. them. You forgot them picking up the sorceress. 
when I'm picking up people along the way, one of the people is a sorceress that's been turned into a bird, and we have a subplot of Willow constantly trying to turn her human and turning her into different shit, which personally <laughs> I enjoyed. So um, the two, the two, like I forget what the the name of the species is, but they're little tiny human beings. And it's reminding me a lot of the brownies. Yeah, the yeah. brownies. Yeah. So they're sort of a weird combination of all the little ashes from Army of Darkness and the badgers from Beastmaster, because they kind of just carry them around in their bag and they're just mischief makers the whole movie. <laughs> um, and yeah, at the end there's a big battle. Uh, good guys win. And uh, there's also the, the the nice sexist component in this movie is that the evil princess who's in charge of finding the baby is like full on ready to kill anyone in her path. But then uh, Val Kilmer reads poetry to her once. And so she switches sides. <laughs> She's like, fuck that. Woo her. Make her one of us. It's, it's literally in this movie, Val Kilmer, like he gets some love potion dumped on him. So he says some poetry at her. And then she's like, wow, that was like really hot. And then he's like, why would I, what are you talking about? She's like that poetry. He's like, why would I read you poetry? I hate you. And she still switches sides in the battle to join him. I love love the line of, he goes, I hate her. She kicked me on my face. (laughs) Fantastic. Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting performance from Val Kilmer because much like Tom Cruise in the other movie, he doesn't really put on the facade of being in a fantasy world. He just acts kind of like Val Kilmer. <laughs> you're just like, all right, that's who you're going to be in this movie then. Uh, speaking of prejudice bullshit, uh, Val Kilmer and a few other people get top billing instead of fucking Mark Davis. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's true. So let, let's get that right out of the bat here. Warwick Davis, for once in his career, gets to be the lead in a movie. And Early. he's got, like, almost no makeup on. I'm sure he's got some makeup on, but there's he is not dressed up as anything. They do nothing to hide the fact that he's a little person. He's just part of a race of little people. And he's friggin' fantastic in this movie. Yeah, his performance it... is outstanding. Those Those moments, like, early on when he's, like... He's like plowing the field. He's got a pig pulling his plow instead of an ox because he's a little and stuff like that. And then he's like dealing with his kids and all of a sudden he gets kind of sucked in and he has to go on this adventure. And we see that he wants to be a sorcerer, but he lacks the skills and the confidence. And it's it's really, really well done. I was going to say another weird crossover theme uh, between these two movies that's even weirder in this one is actors that are way too young cast in the lead role. Because Willow's supposed to be like a middle-aged father of two, farmer slash uh, dreaming of becoming a uh, magician, and he's 16. (laughs) Yeah, but they're fantasy characters. You can't judge them, right? Right. Maybe 16 is middle-aged for them. I I suppose. (laughs) Maybe he's like Baby Yoda. They just age very slowly. Yeah. Maybe it's, it's hard to say like they whatever it is, he, he pulls it off plain and simple. I mean, I had no problem believing he was the father of two, despite the fact that you're telling me he was 16. 
which makes complete sense because he was like 12 in Return of the Jedi. So <laughs> I should have been able 11, to piece that 11 in Return of the Jedi. Like, I should have been able to piece that all together without much trouble, but I, I never tried. And I think that's a testament to the performance that I never thought of the fact that he was miscast. Well, I mean, I mean, technically he couldn't be miscast because George Lucas wrote this movie for him. Yeah. Well, George but, Lucas gets a story by credit, but I, I, I think George Lucas just said, make a Lord of the Rings, but have it be a baby instead of a ring. So I don't think, know that he should really be getting a story by credit for this movie. I just find it so interesting that, you know, Warwick Davis came into Return of the Jedi and you know, basically was a teddy bear in a suit. Uh and, and while lovable character didn't have a lot to do in that movie. And, and George Lucas was like, oh, I've got to write a story for this one. But in, in the interest of because I, th- I think the story goes that he wasn't supposed to be the guy in the suit, right? He was just in that suit because the other actor was sick. And then he does kind of steal the show. Like everyone knows that Ewok, even though he didn't have an, even a name in that movie but they had to give him one later in order to make the character into a toy and everything because everybody loved him so i think he really does have through whatever charisma or whatever he sort of became the r2 of that movie and oh he's something had... to be said for that because nobody knows any of the other ewoks true very true uh <laughs> i have a good uh warwick davis story that's not my story but i'll tell it anyway okay so my friend randy who is a big for some reason he's a big fan of little people in general i, I don't know why it may be the fact that, that he's like six five and like you know a really big guy he's got like fred flintstone feet like you know the really like thick stubby feet and stuff so he's just like a big guy anyway so he was at a convention and warwick davis was there <laughs> And he walked up, to, like, I don't think anybody was was at his table or, you know, he was taking a moment to, like, put something away or something. I, I don't really know. But Randy said he walked up to him and he had heard that Warwick Davis was going to have a fan club soon. And, you know, obviously he wanted to sign up for it. And so Randy walks up. Here's this giant bearded guy looking down on Warwick Davis. And he's like, what are you going to set up your fan club? If Warwick Davis just looked at him terrified, like, I'm working on it, I'm working on it. <laughs> Don't apparently, eat me. Apparently thought Randy was just going to pick him up and take him with him. <laughs> uh, so this is another movie that's just fucking awesome. Oh, it's, it's fucking phenomenal. And once again, flop. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> Again, stop being surprised that normal people don't like our shit. <laughs> I suppose, but I mean, once again, all the normal people I know like this movie now. They just, nobody went to see it when it was out. Yeah. Nah, I think times, it was definitely... Times have changed. Yeah, it was definitely a home video sort of hit, I guess. Because um, I had never, I didn't go to the theater to see this. I saw it on video. Yeah, I definitely would have seen it at home as well but that has probably more to do with the time it came out and the fact that somebody else was deciding when i went to the movies right this this yeah. movie does have a random continuity error in it which one's that uh, 
uh, at the beginning of the movie, Willow's given three magic acorns, mm-hmm. and he only uses two magic acorns. I don't think that's a concept. And, and, and he runs out of acorns. Does he run out? Yeah. Does he say he's out? Yeah. They apparently there was a scene of them taking a boat out to that island that was cut from the movie where he drops the, an acorn and turns the boat into stone and the boat sinks. Awesome. And, and, <laughs> and, they cut, and they cut that scene out and just whoever the script supervisor is never stopped and said, oh, yeah, he's got another acorn. Then. Yeah. So it wasn't a huge flop. It, it, a budget of $35 million and worldwide gross was like about $57.5 million. Flopped yeah, so enough that uh, George Lucas's planned trilogy did not happen. Yeah, that's true. But at yeah. that point, George Lucas was trying to do a Howard the Duck trilogy as well. So he just <laughs> thought trilogies were the way to go at this point in his career. I, I was going to say, although also as we've seen with George Lucas's work, you don't want to let him tinker. You don't let him keep going with the story. You need yeah. to stop him. Like <laughs> that's a good point. I. Don't, I I'll just come out and say I think this movie's pretty much perfect. I didn't know about that little continuity beer. I didn't pick up on it. No, I've seen it a million times, and I don't think I ever realized it either. And I think I finally noticed it this last time. Like, for me, it's just the story is good. The performances are good. Like, it's directed by Ron Howard, and he is just aggressively competent. So everything just kind of falls into place the way it's supposed to. Like, the the kind of like comic relief is just there's just enough of it and at just at the right times where you're just like okay I can handle it we got these little guys following us around now that are just going to be the joke for the rest of the movie and <laughs> that's fine like they're they're very funny so it's okay and but they whenever they don't want to be funny anymore they put them back in that bag they just leave them on, hanging on the back of the horse or whatever for a while and then they just pull them back out with any humor again and it's they're very much the uh the little ashes, as you said. Yeah, though the, the technology is exactly the same. Like, clearly, Sam Raimi had seen this movie by the time he made Army of Darkness, and went, "What if all those were ash?" Which is, a, I was going to say, the fact, clever thing to do. The fact that one of them is Kevin Pollock doesn't hurt. That's true. Yeah, but yeah, it's. I think this movie is nearly perfect. I really genuinely loved watching it again. I haven't seen it since the 80s either. So I can only remember like visuals and stuff, but then when I'm watching it, I'm thinking like everything is just falling into place perfectly. Uh, I will say this is, this is one of those movies that I tend to quote incessantly. And (laughs) since most people are normies and probably have not seen this movie a thousand times, (laughs) no one ever knows what the fuck I'm talking about. You use the phrase, no one knows what the fuck I'm talking about more than most people do, you know? I, oh, that's pretty often, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do believe it was two two or three Christmases ago when one of my nephews had just been born. Uh, everyone was out of the room, and of course I was, you know, fucking with the kid, and we were playing with toys and stuff. And his his mom came in the room and was freaking out because she didn't know where he was. And I come running through the dining room with them, and I was going, ha I stole the baby! <laughs> that's awesome that's when Noah's not invited over anymore <laughs> right. once again everybody was like what and I was like it's, it's Willow it's a good movie <laughs> don't be mean to me 
I like how you stole their baby and they're the ones being mean to you in this story. <laughs> <laughs> you have an interesting world perspective. Well, I'm just saying that there's so many good lines and just going, oh, dust of broken hearts. <laughs> the part uh, where the brownie is trying to fuck the cat. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I almost forgot about that. There's a weird moment where he, he trips and spills his love potion on himself. Uh, I was going to point out that apparently, uh, you know, when everybody turns into pigs, which when you're a child, that's terrifying watching yeah. everybody turn into pigs. Oh, yeah. Uh, but apparently while they were filming, all the pigs outside kept trying to hump each other. <laughs> So they had to they had to have buckets of cold water on standby to separate pigs when need be. Uh, and then something else. Apparently, during off hours from shooting, uh, Kevin Pollock and Rich Rick Overton hit up a bar in San Rafael where they ended up performing improv. And one of the audience nice. members noticed and proceeded to get up on stage and participate. And of course, that person turned out to be Robin Williams. And apparently Kevin Pollock would just sort of step back and just let Robin Williams just be Robin Williams and just watch. Yeah, that's generally what you should do. Exactly. Um, yeah. Apparently Val Kilmer ad-libbed pretty much all of his dialogue. Yeah. Sounds about right. So when he was calling uh, Warwick Davis all those horrible things, that makes it a little awkward. Well, most of the time he calls him a peck or something, which seems like it's a word that's made up to be insulting in the it, in the universe. It is a made up racial slur, which <laughs> yeah, I I've heard people make the complaint a lot of times that all all things in fantasy genre are innately racist and and about that kind of stuff. And unfortunately, in Willow, you kind of look at it and you're like, oh no, maybe they're a little right. <laughs> there's a, there's some truth to it. The element of like. Everybody is supposed to be keeping to, onto themselves, and problems arise when you mix the different species together, and they're all saying terrible things to one another about their, you know, each other's species. It's it's problematic. Uh, apparently, throughout this movie, the baby is played by like five different babies. <laughs> yeah, that's normal. Well, there's the credited ones, which that's a set of twins. And then they did some on-site location stuff and couldn't bring the baby, so they just got another baby. And then uh, there was something about, I guess, production on this movie was so slow that the twin babies, like, outgrew a bunch of the props. <laughs> so they had to, like, really quickly find another baby. That's kind of funny. But, yeah, I mean, this movie, it's got fucking everything you want, especially if, if you're thinking of this like a 10-year-old watching a movie. Yeah. There's just everything because it's it's funny. There's sword fights. There's fucking magic. There's a goddamn two headed dragon that's named after Siskel and Ebert, which is fucking hilarious. <laughs> uh, trolls were terrifying too. Yeah, terrifying yeah. monkey man trolls that apparently just shit everywhere and are identified by their creamy green shit. <laughs> I thought it was weird that they called them trolls. That's not how I picture a troll. They were right. like werewolves, but whatever. Uh, there's there's that sick sorcerer battle at the end. Love that shit. 
There's that great moment where Willow finally gets to use all of his farming skills to win the battle. That's <laughs> that arguably the cheesiest moment in this movie is when he's like there. He's like, wait, I have an idea for how to win this battle. And then they do. He does like the back home. We have a lot of gophers and then it fades away. So they don't tell you the rest of the plan. <laughs> and it's like, all right, laying it on a little bit thick here, but I'll take it. Uh, so apparently John Cusack, auditioned for the role of Mad Mardigan? That seems like oh, that would be very weird. I don't agree. I think that would work perfectly. Really? I think he'd be a slightly nicer guy, the character, but... Yeah, I don't... Physicality is what I'm thinking. I just don't... I don't know. I, I I, yeah, I just couldn't, I just couldn't see the, the smarmy Val Kilmer-esque charm is what one of the things that makes that character so good. I couldn't see someone else doing it. I don't know. It's hard. To, it's, it is hard to picture because it would be a different character. Yeah, right. You're not wrong. It would make that scene where he reads like sappy love poetry to the girl. <laughs> a lot, that would make a lot more sense. Like, oh, this again. Uh, apparently after meeting on this movie, Val Kilmer and Jono, Joanne Wally. So the girl that he's in love with. Apparently they got married. Okay. But then got divorced. Well, if you married Valkyrie, you'd get divorced too. Probably. <laughs> apparently he's, he's, there's a reason he's not in sequels. <laughs> and apparently, again, all the marriage together is probably the same reason is my guess. Uh, and apparently Willow faced ba- stiff competition at the, at the box office from Crocodile Dundee 2. Big, right. Big and Rambo 3. Jesus, no I, wonder it wasn't a bigger hit. Right. right. I mean, how the fuck does that happen? Well, it doesn't happen anymore. Studios, I think, were not as organized back then. Release dates weren't, like, publicly known years in advance, so they couldn't plan around what other studios were doing. I'm just saying, the last the last thing you would want... So Crocodile Dundee 2, all on its own, is a problem, just because, man, people fucking love Paul Hogan, don't they? <laughs> they did but, then. They they, they did during that very brief period. <laughs> but I was going to say that unique combination of of Big, which is going to suck up all of your mainstream audience, and Rainbow Three, which is going to suck up all your fringe audience. Yeah, not good. Not not a good thing. It sounds like this movie was close to being profitable anyway. Yeah, and it was like again, it was a George Lucas movie, so you know. They made a bunch of money on Willow toys and mugs and lunch boxes and anything else they could sell. Yeah, apparently, I read that uh, in one of these that George Lucas was hoping it was going to be as profitable as ET, and obviously that's that did not even remotely happen. Well, yeah, I mean, I hope everything I do is as profitable as ET too. <laughs> I don't anticipate it ever happening. Um, I don't know anything else. This movie is just fucking awesome, just like the yeah, last movie. Uh, as we talked about earlier, while they're in uh, Tira's Lee, the the mystical castle city where everyone's turned to stone, uh, Val Kilmer gets his armor, <laughs> yep. which looks really good, except for that fucking helmet. What the fuck is up <laughs> with that weird? cone Madonna titty helmet that they put on his fucking head like I suspect that it was actually one of Madonna's bras and they just cut pieces off of it put it on his head should we take the tassels off no leave the tassels 
tassels off. Get this guy off my set. <laughs> it is funny that in both movies, like the lead character has to go and get his golden armor before the final battle. That's like, what do you need that for? Well, that's part of the, uh, what the, what the fuck's that book? The hero's journey or whatever. Yes, to, to retrieve the talismans. Yeah. Sure. Although arguably that's that's Willow getting the wand, but I don't know. Yeah, it's multiple talismans. They each have their own little story. Willow fucking up that transformation spell is one of the best things ever to be put in a movie. The, at the end, when there's like it's all tense and they're in their big standoff, and he finally like he's going to bear down and learn it, and it still takes him like four more tries, and we just get to watch her transform into all these different animals. I'm like, what the fuck are we watching? Is this like literally like a, a an episode of The Simpsons now? Is that what's going on here? She just keeps transforming into different things. <laughs> it's great looking, though. Speaking of my friend Randy, uh, and quoting this movie, sometimes he would randomly just be like, Willow! Like in the goat voice. <laughs> you idiot! <laughs> uh, That's funny. And we're going to get a TV series. Yeah, yeah I'm super is. excited for that now. Like, I'm like really pumped for that now after having watched this. I did not expect this to be this good. I never read the whole book series. I read the second book, but I can't, I like, it was so long ago. I can't even fucking remember it. I didn't even, not even really realize that these were a book series. Yeah. So George Lucas wanted to do three movies. And when the studio pulled the plug after this one, didn't make a bajillion dollars like he had promised. He ended up uh, writing them as a book series. There's three of them. Okay. So I don't know if the – do we know anything about the TV series? Is it just going to be another adventure or is it going to be try to be a continuation of this? I have no fucking idea. All I know is that supposedly Warwick Davis is going to be in it. Yeah. And I'm hoping he's going to be the main character and that what they're not going to do is come in and be like, oh, now the little princess is, is grown up and she's a sexy early 20-something and the story's all about her, and Willow will be in it every once in a while. <laughs> no, I would think that Warwick Davis is going to be the star. That's my take on it. I hope anyway. Uh, on IMDb, Warwick Davis is the only cast member listed. Obviously, I think they just started production, so. Yeah. But my guess is no uh, Val Kilmer. Which is I was going to say, do you think we're going to get Fat Morgan? <laughs> and. Uh... <laughs> Well, no, because he had really bad throat cancer and can't even talk now, so... Oh, well, that's sad. Yeah, you should feel bad about yourself. Now I can't even make fun of him being all fat. <laughs> I think he actually <laughs> lost the weight and then got throat cancer. <laughs> he was, like, trying to get back in game shape, and it backfired on him. Yeah, that's why in uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot, Val Kilmer makes a cameo. And he didn't really know if he wanted to do it because he can't really talk that well. And Kevin Smith's like, I got the perfect role for you. So he plays he plays Silent Bob in the new Blunt Man and Chronic movie. Yep. Ah. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks.
All right. Well, what did you guys watch this week? Because I didn't watch jack shit. Uh, I went to the theater and saw The Invisible Man. As did I. I. I wanted to see this movie, and then I keep hearing that it's actually better than I thought it was going to be. So now I really want to go see this movie. Like I said, I, I, I think I'm somewhere uh, three quarters positive. Does that make sense? Like, it's a good movie. It's good enough. Like, yeah. it's got some cool special effects. Uh, the CGI stuff's not very exciting. I mean, once they start doing that, I don't, I don't really give a shit anymore. But yeah. a lot of the invisible dude effects at the beginning when you're not sure if he is there or not. You know what I mean? Uh, those are cool. And I, I think some of the politics are a little much. They're not like I, I'm not going to go all incel and start throwing a fit that they made a movie from a woman's perspective because I I'm overall positive on that. I just think some of it you're like, does it need to be all of it? Like, can't you guys like, you know, pull back just just a fucking little bit? You know what I mean? Just a little. The abused the abused girlfriend angle is leaned on so fucking hard. This, you know that it almost gets to the point of being ridiculous. This this is where we're going to slightly disagree on the movie though, which uh, it's hard to discuss it with. I don't want to go full spoilers because I know other people want to see it and I don't want to spoil it for Brian, but I actually think (laughs) that's right. I think you guys spoiled it in the fucking chat. And luckily I saw that that was happening and just scrolled right to the bottom and said, haven't seen it. Thanks guys. Yeah, no, I, I think though, and maybe Brian, if you get a chance to see it, then we can have a, a more thorough discussion. But I think that there's there is some pushback on the the uh, abused woman angle, and I think that it's I think it's political correctness in society is preventing people from recognizing that aspect of the movie. So I think it's society that's wrong, not the movie. But overall, my and maybe my right. opinions are very much like you like yours to the extent of I think it's three quarters of a good movie if you're like us and you overthink movies you're going to start to notice flaws in it but I think for most mainstream audiences they won't pick up on those on those you know and it's just going to be a, a good movie with good tension and good special effects and one the girl is uh, I don't know her name off the top of my head but she's very very good uh, in, the prof- in the performance Elizabeth Moss Sure, I said I don't know her name. Why would you ask me if I know whether that's her name or not? Is she, the, is she the lead actress in this movie? Yeah, she was. <laughs> she yes. was on. Uh, she was on Mad Men. Okay. I have not seen any Mad Men. I understand she's also in The Handmaid's Tale, but I have not seen any of that. Oh, yeah. So I didn't. I didn't, watch I didn't know her going into the movie, and she's really good. Um, like when she's panicking and freaking out, she does a really good job. She was ironically. In, uh, thought, she was in Us. I haven't seen Us yet. What the fuck is the matter with you? Us is one of those movies that, like, is exclusive to a certain streaming service here in Canada, and it's not one I get. No. So, fuck them. Um, well, you should have went to the theater, should... but continue on. I should have. It was, there was a... Anyways, my point is the only scenes I didn't like her in was the ones where she's doing some of the physical, like, fighting with an invisible person. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it turns out they had like a guy in a green suit and she was actually fighting with people. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh, I thought she was doing a poor job, but it turns out it must just be like choreography or something that, that I didn't like. That is weird. I just, I honestly to God just thought she was randomly thrashing around. 
Yeah, that's what I thought. But apparently, from what I've read, is that they had the guy in the green suit. So she, but maybe what I read is incorrect. I just assumed I was the one that was wrong. I I would say I have two things I'm negative besides besides the politics stuff. There's only two things that I'm negative on. I think number one, they missed a lot of opportunities to put in random little things to let you know that somebody's there. If you're, you know what I mean, like scooting something in a background or you know something like that, like just to give you that little teeny tiny thing that you wouldn't see it if you weren't paying attention for it. Because I was watching for that stuff because I was kind of expecting it, and then they didn't do that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, that's disappointing. Uh, so there's that. And then, of course, you have to compare it because it is a remake. You have to compare it to the original stuff. And I personally just think the story of a, uh, a man making himself invisible and it driving him insane is a better story. Yeah, I, I agree. I the they maybe should have come up with a better name for this because it's not the Invisible Man story. It's not the a remake of the Invisible Man. It's depending on how you see it as having played out, but either way, it's not somebody who was driven insane by being in, by being invisible. It's somebody who used that to their advantage. Right, right. And Which is a totally would, different thing. It's a, it's a to, yeah, it's a totally different take on it. So maybe they should call it the Invisible Woman because society was. She was invisible to them with all of her abuse. Ooh, I think that I so, think there's actually. I, I think I think that would right now. So, I was I was going to say I think that would make me dislike this movie more. Than <laughs> <they do. laughs> if they called this movie the Invisible Woman, oh, again, we're getting into spoiler territory, so I can't make that comment. But <laughs> like, never mind. I don't I don't want to spoil the movie, Brian. <laughs> it's, it's worth. It's worth a watch. I don't know if it's worth a trip to the theater. I would, yeah, I would say it's worth a trip to the theater, depending on how much you value your twelve dollars. Like if if it's uh, that or eating this week, don't go. But. What if I have AMC A list? Well, then it's worth a trip to the theater. All right. Yeah, it's it's worth your time. It's I, I think it's a good movie. I think it's it's this thing where it's getting overpraised because it's mainstream audiences that don't pay enough attention haven't picked up on the flaws but that's fine that's part of life I needless to say the I think the tension is really good in the movie which is key and the performance from her is is really good most of the action is pretty good so <laughs> I was gonna say one of the one of the of course one of the running things in the movie is that no one believes her you know because that's that's yeah. obviously what's gonna happen because because of the type of movie this is but that I mean, the, the problem is with the context of the movie, that can't help but become a metaphor for people not believing abused women when they are telling people I know, there's I a know. problem. But in this movie, that metaphor doesn't work because they have no fucking reason to believe her. <laughs> Who would yeah. believe you that there's an invisible goddamn man in the house? Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a bit of an issue because I've seen some articles where they're like, well, why don't we ever believe the female victims? And I was like, well, if they're running around claiming something supernatural is happening, of course they're not getting believed. That's right. different from in the real world where they're claiming, you know. <laughs> there's, there's a difference between claiming Harvey Weinstein touched you and claiming that the aliens on Jupiter touched you. <laughs> yes. 
So, yeah, it's it's kind of funny that way because the metaphor is obviously intentional, and I understand the message that they're trying to get out, but it's problematic when she's claiming something crazy like that is happening. Right. The other flaw I would say in the movie is uh, I don't know the actor's name. He plays the cop that she goes to stay with when she first kind of gets out of her relationship. Yeah. That guy went to the gym about a thousand times too many before this movie came out. And his, like, arms are unnaturally shaped because he's lifted way too many weights. <laughs> and it's really awkward and disturbing. And I'm just like, a human being doesn't look like that. Why are you it's, so defined? It's, it's li- But it's to that point where you're like, there's no way. This guy has a full-time job. He's a single parent. And he goes to the gym that much. No, there's only 24 hours in a day. He can't be doing all that. It's There's no way. If he wasn't a Hollywood actor, he couldn't possibly have arms like that. So, because it's not, not, it's not even normal looking. Like, every time you watch a movie, people are way more in shape than the real world. But this is just disturbing. Anyways, that's my complaint about the movie. Mm. Hope that didn't spoil anything for you, Brian. No, I'm going to be looking at that dude's arms the whole time. Yeah, I would say one of the, one of the things they did very well in this movie is the... Uh, the outbursts of violent moments, they do a real good job of you not being ready for it. Yeah. Like, you're like, okay, well, he hasn't, you know, nothing's happened for the last 10 minutes. Nothing's going to, oh my God! Like, <laughs> what yeah. the fuck just happened? I agree with that. I think that's... And that's the Lee Bonnell. Like, he can do that in his movies. He always has been able to build, build that tension and kind of, like, lull you in. And then all of a sudden, just hit you with something violent. Anything else now? Uh, so yeah, so that's that's pretty much it. And yeah. uh, the only thing else I watched, I think we might have even talked about this before, but I, I basically spent the rest of the week rewatching a bunch of. Uh, God damn it! I'm gonna get the show title wrong. I'm gonna look it up. Is it the Short Life? The Will uh, Davis show. So. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Oh, see, that's wrong. It's a short life. Is it good? I've, I've never actually seen it. It is one of the funniest fucking things you'll ever see in your entire life. So it is the general premise of the show is imagine any show that Ricky Gervais is in with Warwick Davis as Ricky Gervais, right? So he basically plays an exaggerated version of himself where he's a piece of shit, right? So where Davis is awful and he's self-centered and going through a divorce and almost the entire premise of the show is that he hired a really dumb accountant who didn't pay his taxes. And now he owes like a quarter of a million dollars in taxes or he's going to lose everything he owns. Uh, life's too so, short. Life's too short. Thank you. Because there's like there's like five reality shows that all have similar titles about little people. And it fucking it fucks my head all up. Uh but so the show in general is about him just trying to find ways to make money. And, of course, he has to do it all the ways that washed up actors have to do it. He's like going to conventions and happening to put up with shitty people and and all of that. But that sounds great. But the side bit that makes it super funny is almost every single episode has a celebrity cameo in it. Is it will bring you to fucking tears it's so fucking funny. The the episode, I think it's the very first episode, has Liam Neeson in it. 
and Liam Neeson shows up while work. Davis is visiting Ricky Gervais and uh, uh, what the fuck's the other the other writer that works with Ricky Gervais all the time? Blonde guy with glasses. Stephen Merchant. Yes. Uh, he shows up and he's like, uh, oh, and they're and they're you know all excited. They're like, oh shit, Liam Neeson. Hey, what's going on? What can we do for you? And he's like, I've come because I want to learn about comedy <laughs> and they're like okay well we can set up a meeting and we can he's like we're going to do it now and they're like oh okay okay because we're gonna do it now and then he goes i have a list of things i want to learn about improv comedy sketch comedy <laughs> like he lists and then he looks at work davis and he's like i see you admiring my list you know that's how i got the part in schindler's list <laughs> i was talking to the director <laughs> And I said, hey, I make lists all the time. And, of course, they all start laughing. And he goes, that wasn't a joke. <laughs> but then they're they're trying to do like a sketch. And he keeps diverting the, the improv sketch to talk about AIDS. And they keep being like, AIDS is not funny. Please stop it. And he's like, OK, you're a green grocer. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to return this. I wasn't here yesterday. Why weren't you here yesterday? I was at the doctor. I have AIDS. <laughs> uh, there was only one season. Only once. There was a one season and then like a Christmas special. But like I said, it's so fucking funny. There's an episode where Johnny Depp is shadowing Warwick Davis because he has to learn to be a little person to star in Tim Burton's Rumpelstiltskin. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm watching that this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to get to that, too. It's only, it looks like it's only eight episodes. Yeah. It's real short. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it, it will, parts of it are painfully funny. They're like the type of thing where, like, it's so awkward and you're laughing and you just you don't fucking know what to do anymore. It wasn't a Christmas special. It was an Easter special. Easter special. Thank That's you. That's even better. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, I'm gonna have to watch that, I guess. There's, there's an episode where Warwick Davis gets basically... Uh, stuffed into a teddy bear that's been hollowed out that a dog's been fucking <laughs> to, to pretend to, like it's an Ewok costume. <laughs> uh, yeah, if anybody out there, seriously, if you have not seen that fucking show, you need to watch that show. I need to watch that show. I feel like I almost need to go and buy a hard copy of that to own it in my home to be able to rewatch I, it. I would recommend that. Like I said, that that first episode, the Liam Neeson sketch is just it's the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen in my entire life because you know Liam Neeson's so good at playing stuff deadpan. Mm hmm. And it's so outrageous and he just doesn't blink <laughs> the whole time. But that's it. That's all I watched. What about you, Doug? Uh, a few things. Uh, let's start with Ooh. like last. Life's too short's included with my Prime membership. Oh, it's not in Prime here in Canada. I checked while you guys were talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, last week I, I promised you guys that I would watch Mister Boogity. Mm -hmm. Let you know what. Let you know whether it holds up. Yeah, and it's awesome. It's awesome. It's. Very much a kids' movie from the '80s, so be prepared for that if you decide to watch it. But it, 
like, are you guys aware of the cast of this? Also this emotionally, oh, yeah. it's an emotionally scarring children's movie. <laughs> fits fits with the theme. Yeah, it's, but it is it is scary in a kid friendly Disney kind of way. Um, more so than a, like, you know, you're not invited to think too much about it. And like, you know, of course the bad guy is just objectively horrible in every way. So you don't have to feel, be worried. They eventually suck him into a vacuum and you're like, eh, good. Glad he's gone. <laughs> you know, they even do like flashbacks to when he was before he was a ghost and he was terrible then too. So it's no problem. Well, there's an important lesson where the kid from Alf learns to share his toys with the ghost kid, all sorts of stuff like that. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching it. It was one of those ones that I saw so much as a kid that, like, as I was watching it, I started to remember lines of dialogue and I could say them just before the character did and stuff. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I shouldn't remember this that well. But yeah, it has like a, a pretty buffy Christy Swanson in it doing like the her teenage girl thing. <laughs> she was good at that back in the day, but it's it's just the most 80s cast ever. I say David Faustino plays the older brother to the kid from Elf. David Faustino? <laughs> yep. Oh, nice. You're just like, he's like so young you don't recognize him, but then when he talks, you're like, okay, there he is. <laughs> There's Grandmaster B. So. Yeah, for yeah, some reason, I, uh, Married Children has hit a lot of the syndicated channels here in the States. I don't know why. Um,. So I'm enjoying just catching random episodes every now and again. It just showed up on like multiple different streaming services here. I know several yeah. people who have started watching it. So if I'm just like go to my friend's houses, I'll just walk in and random episodes will be on. So I'm kind of <laughs> having the same experience. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So it's just weird. That's why I got excited. I'm like David Faustino. He's in something besides married children. Good for him. I think that's it. I think after there was this, then Married to Children, and then he was done. <laughs> I feel like he's probably been on a reality show. Like, he must have been locked in a house with a bunch of other has-been celebrities at some point in his life. <laughs> it's the only thing that makes sense to me. I can't remember if it actually happened. Well, let's find out. I'll look him up. You keep going, Mr. Boogity. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's not much to say about it. It's a... It's a an episode of the wonderful world of world of Disney that somehow became more famous than all the other episodes. Um, mostly because I think it's just a little darker and more creepy than all the other, uh, Disney stuff out there. But I really liked it. I think it's probably one that if you're trying to prepare your kids to watch horror movies, you can probably watch it with them. So, so it looks like David Faustino is doing a lot of voiceover work for cartoons. Oh, okay. That's good. Good for him. Um, he didn't have to, like, wrestle another celebrity or go on a road trip with another celebrity. Maybe go maybe live in the jungle with another celebrity. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't look like it. He's never on this surreal life. No. That was my favorite reality TV show of all time. Oh, that was great. I don't think I watched, like, the last season, though, because it was getting a little too sad by then. Yeah, I think I might have stopped on that episode where, like, China was in the house and she broke down crying because she wasn't famous anymore. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, yeah, she edited this out. <laughs> um, so he did a lot of voiceover work, and then as recently as 2017, he was on The Young and the Restless, so he made the jump to soap operas. Nice. So, do what you got to do, I guess. 
guess that means that there's enough of like an audience of like women who were watching married with children that are old enough to just be stay at home housewives. Mm-hmm. Is that what we're to take from that? Sure. Makes sense. Alright. It's like they're they're getting people from that era of television who haven't had great careers to just jump into the soap operas. <laughs> Alright. So that's our David Festino corner. Nice. <laughs> uh next thing I watched I actually watched it right after I got home from watching The Invisible Man was uh, Midsummer, Midsummer, however you say it oh yeah um, I haven't watched it yet no um, it's a really really pretentious movie <laughs> and I would oh, love I would love to see a movie that's as good as this movie thinks it is um <laughs> That is painfully the truth. Uh, it's not a bad movie, though. Just so we're clear, like I, the basic, the basic plot for if if you don't know, like guys go to go back to Sweden with one of their college buddies for like this festival, and when they get there, it's all dark and culty, and people are dying and stuff, right? And it's like, yeah, that's not a terribly original plot. And none of the characters are terribly original. And they do the thing where the one couple is in the process of kind of breaking up, but then they end up on this trip together. So that's supposed to be tension. But it's like, again, we've seen all this before. Like, you're not doing anything special here. They do a really good job with the visuals. Once they're in, like, the sort of area where this cult or religion or whatever you want to call it exists. And most of the, like when the violence starts most of that looks really good although there's a couple of moments where it doesn't um but yeah it's just I don't understand why this movie spends so much time like hiding itself on the back basically is how it, it feels as you're watching it it's it also spends most of the movie trying to justify the ending which it does not do yeah cause the what boyfriend I mean, I, don't get me wrong the boyfriend character is a piece of shit yeah, but the female character, who is supposed to be like justified in her her selfishness at the end, is also a piece of shit. They're all pieces yeah. of shit. They all deserve to die. Why didn't they all die? <laughs> like, I see what you're saying there, and I also think there's like there's moments where they're trying to make him look bad, but he's again. I'm trying not to spoil things now for Brian, but do you want this one spoiled for you, Brian? <laughs> Well, I already know how it ends, so. Okay. But there, like, there's a there's a moment like like Noah says they're trying to justify the girl being all angry and stuff, and she sees him having sex with this other woman. But as an audience, we know that he's been like full on like drugged and stuff, so he's essentially being raped in that scene, right? Like he's not, and he he's not a bad guy for that having have happened to him. Is the way I would say, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy for other reasons. Yeah, but there, there's not for that. But he, he's a bit of a douchebag. But he also like spends a lot of the movie trying to protect her feelings, and that's kind of how she ends up in this whole situation is because he doesn't want to hurt her at a time when she's already suffering, and that's why he's staying with her. You right. know, like it's yeah, but yeah, but at the same time, he's he's uh, abusive in a neglectful way. 
if that makes sense, because he doesn't want to be with her. That's the whole point. He doesn't want to yeah. be with her, but he can't be honest because being honest would be monstrous. And yeah. she's unfairly inserting herself into his life. Like, yeah. it's well, fucked up. I mean, Every, everybody's I, a piece of shit. I think part of it, too, is that these are young people, right? And, like, say you're like a 21-year-old college student and you kind of want to break up with your girlfriend and then she has a tragedy in her life. And so, like, your instinctively is like, well, I can't break up with her now. But I still don't want to be with her. And then now we're going on vacation together. Like, that would be a shitty situation to be in. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he doesn't know how to handle it properly. Neither, neither do I. So, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't I don't come down that hard on him. And similarly to her, like, she's like this overly clingy girlfriend character. But lots of college girls who his boyfriend are pulling away become overly clingy like that's not again these aren't even original characters this is just what happens in life so I think this movie's deeper not as deep as it thinks it is but I think so most of the gore looks good so made me happy I think yeah the gore the gore's good and then I think the the two best things of this movie the cinematography is pretty good it's a really pretty yeah. movie and well shot and all of the subtle stuff that they do, the little foreshadowing and uh, like the paintings that they see that kind of foreshadow the end of the movie and stuff like that. Those, it's all pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the the creepy fact that the, it's, the boyfriend's uh, orange juice is slightly pink colored, which is unpleasant. That is an unpleasantly subtle gross yeah. thing to fucking put in a goddamn movie. Yeah, a lot of it is gross and unsettling and stuff like that, and they do a good job of it. Again, though, they just... Kind of like what I was saying about Legend, how it's like they know they've made these great special effects, so then they pause the movie for a second to let us all stare at them, and I feel like this movie kind of does the same thing, where it's like, look at how clever we're being, and it's like, well, if you have to tell me, then it's not that clever. Yes, stupid. (laughs) Ugh. Pink orange juice. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny too because you probably most people I think aren't observant enough to even like pay attention to that. You know what I mean? They'd be like, "Oh, his his drink's slightly a different color." Moving on, and then yeah, <laughs> then you stop and think about it. <laughs> You're like, "Wait a minute! They just showed." <laughs> no, no, <laughs> why? They should have killed him then to alleviate the suffering of what they just did to him. And he doesn't even know. Well, it's not suffering until he knows. What? You okay there, Noah? Can we move on? Or? Oh, that is, it's just foul. That's foul. Do we need to pause the podcast so you can go vomit? I can get down with some gross-out horror, and I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with that level of gross-out, because that's, it's gross, but it, I don't know. There's there's just something about that that weird taboo line that they crossed right there that you're like, oh no, ah, <laughs> why, why? It's good to know that's where Noah's limits are. Now we all know. I was wondering if there were limits, so to be honest, it's kind of a relief. Ugh, gotta go cleanse my mind with some German shit porn. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. 
<laughs> Next week, when somebody asks what you've been watching, make sure you leave that out. Okay, <laughs> nobody wants to hear about it. See our previous discussion about people being allowed to do whatever they want, but don't drag us into it. So last week, I've watched Ooh, Shisa 5. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> uh, Sorry. So what were you talking about? <laughs> I was moving on is what I was doing. I was trying. <laughs> How the fuck was I? The next thing I watched was Impractical Jokers, the movie. How do I transfer from your Scheiser <laughs> porn discussion to that? No, then it was fine. It was like a giant episode of the show, but Kane Hodder was in it for some reason. There you go. Yeah, I saw it <laughs> a couple weeks ago. I, it's it, it's just the show. If you like the show, you like the movie. Yeah, except it has like scripted parts, which is... Scripted not, parts aren't particularly good. But. Yeah, it's not like the... Uh, highlight of the movie but no the highlights of the movie are when they're just doing the stuff they do on the show it's probably not really honestly worth spending money to see impractical jokers the movie just wait until all the different parts have been put on youtube and watch them there i agree with that <laughs> that show does an amazing job of you're sitting there and you're like okay funny 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 stupid funny stupid funny 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 and then all of a sudden you're like paralyzingly panic inducing yeah awful like <laughs> i almost i i hit certain parts and i'm like i don't know if i want to keep watching this show i feel like i need to pause it and leave the room and it hopefully it, it'll be gone when i come back is it i like how you think pausing it is the way to make that happen yeah is it because <laughs> you're it's doing ma- it wrong it's major like social anxiety go up is that what you're saying oh yeah Okay. Yeah. Just some of the some of the stuff they, especially for the punishments at the end, every once in a while, where they'll make someone say something to somebody that sure it's funny that somebody has to say something awful to somebody, but you're somebody's still saying something awful to somebody. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like yeah, a couple one... times they make them say mean things to children or. There's oh the one where they're doing the painting class and he like yeah. walks around and destroys the children's paintings. Yeah. I I just what the fuck? How are you supposed to process that? <laughs> it's, that's not it's not funny. I want to cry like the entire time. I think the two worst I've ever seen both involve Sal and that's when he had to have his phone on during the poetry readings and they kept calling him uh-huh. and people started getting so pissed. And then the other one where Sal had to go to the bingo hall and yell bingo after every letter. Oh, there was about there was like a riot that almost happened at that one. Yeah, I was I forget which character it was. I want to say it was Q that they put him on a panel for like women's rights, and oh, yeah. his whole job was to just be the anti guy. Yeah, and he's like literally getting booed, and he just have to had to keep going, and you're just like, oh man. Yeah. Well, you yeah. just make him get a tattoo like you've done to the other guys. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, all the women's rights, and he was the supposedly feminist blogger, but then he's like, but come on, there's there's men jobs and there's women jobs, right? <laughs> <laughs> just in front of a room full of women who are there to see a talk on women's issues. So they're not really open to that idea, I don't think. Well, and once again, see, I think this is the problem with the show. Like, talking about somebody having to do that is funny, but... <laughs> Actually, what? like, 
having to experience someone actually doing it <laughs> is just awful. Like it, it gives you like it makes you weak in the bowels. Like you want to run well, from the room. Well, which would you rather have that or Murr's punishment where he had to get a, a, a prostate exam in a room full of people? Oh, fuck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think so. So here's the thing. I think if you put me if the choice was get a prostate exam in a room full of people or do one of those where you have to just literally like damage people's feelings for a joke. I'm pretty sure I'd be getting roto-rootered. <laughs> it's, it's for me the the question with this show is always like cause you're watching it and they're doing like the thing where they got like clip balloons to people or something, and the, you inevitably find yourself thinking like me and my idiot friends have had these dumb ideas. We just never thought to make a TV show out of it, and then they get to those punishments and you're like, ooh. But is it worth being on TV for a living? <laughs> but you got to do that. That's the question. <laughs> and especially like season one, where you're like, you might have to just go back to a day job after having done that to these people. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's weird to think. I mean, like, so the destroying the child's painting. How yeah. much money would someone have to give you before you could do it? Before bucks. you could physically twenty dollars. <laughs> I think yeah. it, is the kid an asshole though. Do we know? No, she seemed like a really nice kid. <sighs> so that's and old enough to understand what you're doing, but old enough to sign off her rights to be on the TV show. Then, so correct. I don't know. See, like me, I. I don't know how high that number is, but that number's pretty high because I'm pretty sure if somebody handed me a wad of bills, like a thousand dollars, and was like, "All right, go destroy this child's day," I would be like, "Okay, I can do this," and I would get over there and I would like fall to the ground in the fetal position and cry <laughs> and not be able to do it. And give the money back. I don't know. Well, listening <laughs> to uh, Q, who is on Tell Him Steve, Dave. Uh, it sounds like he rakes in at least like a million a year, which I think would be enough for me to. to That's what I'm put saying. My a million the dollars. A million yeah. dollars. I might be able to do it for a million dollars. I think I would go home and be depressed and have to be medicated and go to therapy. But you have a million dollars to pay for yeah, your therapy, so it's right. fine. Therapy's I, I not going to cost that much. I, I mean, See, it's America, so I could afford like four or five sessions of therapy before I ran out of money. So you, you say that, but then you got to remember. They even showed it on the show that they tell everybody it's a hidden camera show. And then Q came out and talked with everybody and saw how horribly felt. So, I mean, you kind of you kind of get the therapy that way. I don't know, but little kids, though. That's a, it's when it, when it involves the kids is when I think, like, how do you explain to them the concept of a hidden camera show? And that this guy was being really mean to you, but it's just so that other people at home will laugh at him being mean to you. <laughs> That's a tough one. I mean, or there's the one, the episode where they're on the, on the cruise ship and they make the guy go to the kiddie pool and ask the kids if they want to come back to his room and drink alcohol. <laughs> I've I mean, seen that one. Jesus fuck. Like, <laughs> See, that one there to me is probably, him. that one there is probably easier for me to handle, though, because it wouldn't, the kids wouldn't be disturbed by that. 
Like they wouldn't get it. I I suppose. But I don't know. Maybe today kids do. They just have an app Stranger on their phone. So they, can, they just put out an amber alert on themselves as soon as the cat walks up too close. I'd be I'd be more afraid with today that one of those kids would look right at you and be like fifty dollars. Like, oh. <laughs> well, since we're supposed to be talking about the movie, what was one of your favorite pranks on the in the movie, Doug? Oh shit! I don't know now. Now we've gone on this tangent. I'm trying to remember what 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 happened in the movie specifically. I know I definitely felt like the the stuff where they were just doing like low level pranks worked better. Yeah. I was, some of it I thought might have been a little bit bullshitty, to be honest. Like I thought the prank of having Murr in a strip club for his birthday and then having like his family show up <laughs> was funny. But I'm like, I don't know. They can't be exposing these children to this. Like, are they through a mirror or is that just a screen that they're showing? It felt staged, really staged. Yeah. So I thought maybe that one was kind of nonsense. Jeez, um, I don't know. Which one did I really like? I, I definitely liked when they had the guy in the cave and they just had... Yeah. So they have him, he just stopped there, are these people doing like tours of a cave, and they just have one of the guys come stumbling out from the back and claim that he's got lost from his tour group in like the 80s, and he's still been trying to find his way out of the cave ever since. <laughs> and clearly no one's buying it, but they just kept running with it anyway. <laughs> like, he like just fall, falls in line it. to finish the tour with everybody. Yeah. it's. I, I really enjoyed that one, and I think what I enjoyed the most about it was the fact that it was very obvious that none of the people believed this this prank. Like, after one second of seeing him and hearing him talk, they're just like, oh, okay, this is some kind of weird prank. And he just kept going with it. <laughs> I think I really liked that. Well, my favorite has got to be sending Sal to the Jaden Smith fan club event or whatever. That was good. Yeah, that was good. And having to show off the tattoo and be very serious about it. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're a fan, but do you have the tat? Do you have the tat? And he's just showing everybody. <laughs> yeah, that one was good. And I like that Jaden Smith was in on it. So then they had him around. <laughs> <laughs> it was another obviously staged moment, but I kind of liked when they were in the tattoo parlor and they had Jaden Smith standing there and the guy's like looking at him and then doing the tattoo. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like obviously Jaden Smith didn't stand still for the amount of time it took to do that tattoo, but it's still mm. a funny moment to see. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. Like I said, all the scripted stuff was just kind of yeah. dumb, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's a good idea to make that show into a movie. It's probably better to just have it be the show, but yeah. I get, you know, whatever. They found a way to, they got my 12 bucks. And actually, the theater was surprisingly full in like, the afternoon on a Saturday. So, oh. I don't, all the power to them. I'm glad that those four idiots found a way to make it. <laughs> a living out of being four idiots. Um, next thing I watched was the Netflix series I Am Not Okay With This. Have you guys seen this one? Nope. No. Uh, it's like a awkward and quirky teenage girl starting to come down with telekinesis powers. It's I described it as Juno and Carrie mashed up together. Um, yeah, it's fine. 
it's like seven episodes. They range like 20 minutes to 25 minutes each. So it's pretty easy to watch. And yeah, it's okay if you like watching quirky teenagers do quirky things. And then occasionally she accidentally knocks shit over with her mind. I don't have a lot to say about it, to be honest. It's not, it's not great. It's not terrible. It's if you got a little time to kill and you're interested in that concept, go ahead and watch it. Yeah. It's, it looks like they're setting up another season where the plot might get more interesting, but I don't know if that's the case or not. Whether like whether the plot will actually be more interesting, because I kind of get the impression that they're not plot-heavy on this. It's mostly about having these teenagers say awkward things to each other. Fucking teenagers. Um, <laughs> I like your commentary. I feel like you've got a button for these sentences instead of actually having to say something. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking teenagers. Um, yeah, so there was that. And uh, the only other thing is I stayed home on a Saturday night and rewatched uh, Madness and the Method and then Jay and Silent Bob reboot in a row. And okay. all the stuff I said about those movies the first time I reviewed them on the show, it's all still true. They are exactly the same movies as they were last time. So. Yeah, I have Madness and the Method. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's good. I like it. But again, I think if you're a... If you're a Kevin Smith fan, you're going to probably like it. If you're not, you're probably not going to like it. <laughs> and that's that's my review for both of those movies. It's like, they're, they're made for a particular audience. I'm in that audience. Yeah, I feel like movies like that, specifically Madness and the Method, I feel like if you were like really into like Kevin Smith stuff way back in the day, where you sort of researched everything online and... You know, you found timelines of how all of the movies lined up and really followed, like, Kevin Smith's career, and you were bummed out that Jason Mewes was, like, on the run for over, you know, using heroin all the time and all this crazy stuff. You kind of, like, got really connected with them, even though you don't know them. So when stuff like Madness and the Method comes up, and it's like, oh, Jason Mewes is, like writing, directing, and starring in this thing sort of about himself. Like, at the very least, you, you're kind of proud a little bit. You're just like, good for you, like doing like doing something. And I think that probably, like, helps with the enjoyment of movies like this. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of felt that way when Jeff Anderson directed his own movie after being in Clerks and couple other kevin smith stuff and then he kind of did his own movie yeah sort of the same kind of feeling i guess yeah uh, there was also a a relief when i saw madness in the method where it was just i was a little worried it was going to be terrible and yeah. that he was just you know he had just used his um whatever a little bit of pull he had to just kind of called in all of his favors his, and it turned out not yeah. to be worth it but when push came to show, I actually thought that uh, he did a good job with it. So it made me, there was a relief there. But yeah. I mean, like I say, I've already discussed those movies ad nauseum. I feel like we're kind of accidentally developing a Kevin Smith corner to our podcast where every week we end up on a, <laughs> having a discussion about him and it's always the same stuff. But there you go. I mean, the one thing I will say about Reboot is it's amazing how a movie like that it's like my second time watching it, but it just feels like it's part of that universe and you could just rewatch it as you would rewatch any of his old movies. Mm -hmm. He just falls back into that, which is kind of fascinating. 
So I don't. That's uh, that's it for me, Brian. You said you didn't watch anything at all. No, I did not watch a single thing worth talking about. I'm sure, I watched some TV or something, but right, nothing really uh, worth getting into. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Well, Noah, do you want to tell us what we're doing next week? I can, if I can remember. No Holds Barred and uh, what the fuck was the other movie with No Holds Barred? <laughs> oh, yeah, Paradise Alley. Yeah, Paradise Alley. We're going we're gonna to do some more Billy Barty. Yeah. Everybody likes Billy Barty. Keep this Billy Barty train going. In case anybody didn't have enough. Because we, you know... I didn't even think mentioned that Billy Barty was in Willow, but whatever. Yeah, he played the cool old wizard guy. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. and for the and for the one of you at at home who knows who the fuck Billy Barty is, <laughs> I'm sure you're stoked. And everybody else is like, "Who the fuck are they talking about?" I had to look him up because you guys mentioned that he was in both of these movies this week. And I'm like, who the fuck? And then I, as soon as I saw his picture, I'm like, oh, yeah. And that's when I started remembering his appearances in UHF and everywhere else. So, Billy Barty uh, Month. Billy Barty Month. Woo! <laughs> <sighs> Maybe we should do this every year. Maybe uh, March should be uh, a little person actor appreciation month. <laughs> I you are just going to say sure. just, just Billy Barty. Well, Billy Barty's only got so many movies. We could, we could fit Willow in every year because every well-known little person actor is in it. Exactly. It always works. Willow always works. Except for Peter Dinklage. Because Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage don't like playing uh, uh, a wee fantasy folk. <laughs> but if you give him a big paycheck, he'll play a big version of wee fantasy folk. Yes. You know. He won't be a dwarf, but he'll be a giant dwarf. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. And he'll also be a dwarf on TV for several years. So. <laughs> it's true. Uh, I was going to say, it's kind of weird because, you know, we're, me and Amanda are rewatching 30 Rock. And he shows up in an episode of that. And the whole joke is that she keeps thinking, like, when she initially meets him, she thought he was a child. <laughs> Like from behind, and then they go on a date, and then like she once again like goes to like meet him somewhere afterwards, and she comes up and actually thinks a child is him, and then uh, so then he's just kind of like, yeah, this is not gonna work, and then she's like, I got it, and then sort of like rubs his like you know messes tussles his hair a little bit and calls him buddy, and he's like, God damn it. <laughs> See, that's funny to me, but it doesn't seem like something he would want to do. Mind you, his, his appearance in Elf was all about him being called an elf and then getting super pissed off and beating the shit out of Will Ferrell. So, I don't know. I think that sometimes if you're, uh, I, don't, I don't, I hate to pigeonhole people, but if you're a little person and you want to be an actor, you're going to have to take those little people roles. It's a lot of roles are written with a certain type of person in mind. And it's, you can't just hide the fact that you're a little person in your movie. But what if he plays a giant? Turn it on its head. Yeah, did it once. Yeah. I was going to say, and if you're a, a big person and there's a role for a little person, maybe, just maybe, if the studio offers you that movie, you should turn that down. 
No, you just get down on your knees and you put your shoes underneath. Oh your God! Knees, so no, that's like, that's where your feet are. It's fine. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. Come on, Dorf goes golfing. That's great. I've never seen any of the Dorf things other than just the promos for them. Is that what they actually are? It's just a guy, and the whole joke is that it's Tim it's Conway. Yeah, <laughs> he was he was on uh, what was it Carol Burnett show? Yeah, I know who Tim Conway is. Yeah. That's all he. That's all he did though. Is he just do normal golfing except he's short when he golfs? Yeah, he's. Uh, is, that, is that the joke? Well, I mean, it's slapsticky. You know, okay. but it is a thing where he's on his knees and he has shoes underneath his knees and you know does some yeah. wacky shit. Yeah, that's it. What's that movie where Gary Oldman did that for like a whole movie? Gary Oldman did that? I believe so. I think Gary Oldman played a dwarf in a movie once. Oh. And Gary it was Old- literally like that. Gary Oldman can do anything. <laughs> yeah, that's the funny thing is nobody noticed because he was so believable in the role that everyone just accepted it. <laughs> <laughs> He's acting shorter than he is. I don't remember what it's called. It's bugging me yeah. now and I'm I'm worried that I'm accusing Gary Oldman of something that he didn't do. How long, how long do we have before the next Marvel movie comes out? This is an off-topic question, but I need some comic book movie in my life. Is it Bloodshot? April? I don't know. Bloodshot's not a Marvel movie. Well, comic book movie in general. Oh. That'll do me fine. So you're going to be one of those people that call every comic book movie a Marvel movie? Well, I, I'm pretty sure I still call a fridge a fridge, and that's not accurate. So, <laughs> Why is a fridge not a fridge? Because that's a brand, not a thing. And nobody owns a Frigidaire refrigerator anymore. I thought fridge was short for refrigerator. No, fridge is short for Frigidaire. Are you sure? Absolutely. Because technically it's short for both. Refrigerator. Yeah, it has fridge in it. It it does, but it's this not. This is some of the most off topic we've ever been. I do think it I think it's short for <laughs> when I say it, I mean it as short for refrigerator. Because like my bar fridge, I would not say my bar frigidaire. I would say my bar refrigerator. I'm working this through in my head right now and I'm pretty sure I'm right. What the fuck <laughs> were we even talking about? I don't know. Bloodshot with Vin Diesel. <laughs> Nobody's actually talking about that. <laughs> I didn't even know what Bloodshot was when you like. The movie's called Tiptoes, by the way. It's from 03. Oh, all right. I haven't seen it, so I don't know if it's if he does a good job of playing a dwarf or not. <laughs> I think we're spiraling. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to get off that fridge topic. <laughs> Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.